0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Fresh Off the Set. I'm Alora Murray. And I am Carrie Hawker-Diaz. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. So this one is definitely more of a serious podcast. Um, we are talking to Candace Rivera. So actually, you and I, Alora, we both met Candace at a retreat. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yes, absolutely. I remember the event um, we were at, and I remember meeting her, and I was like, this woman. You know when you're around people sometimes, and you just get this vibe from them that you're like, this person is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And the word I want to use for her is powerful. Like she has such a powerful presence. That's exactly what I was just going to say. And the work she is doing right now, uh, and like you said, this podcast is going to be really heavy, but the work she is doing right now is so important. She is literally saving the world. I don't say that lightly. This woman is absolutely incredible. She is. She's saving lives. This is what she does it every single day. Um, So this podcast, we're talking about human trafficking and it actually happens here. Can you believe that? In here in Utah, it happens quite frequently here. So Candace, she's the founder and CEO of Exodus. It's an anti-trafficking organization and we talk about how prevalent human trafficking is in the world, even here. How it can happen, signs to watch for, and what you can do to help? Should we just give it a listen? Let's do it. I am so thankful to have Candace Rivera on our podcast today. Candace, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Well, this is, of course, a, a topic that we don't discuss all the time, but we need to. And this is why we have you here to start these conversations. But maybe we just start with Exodus, which is your company. Tell me about Exodus, what it is.
1: Yes, these are hard conversations to have, and it's one of the reasons why I founded Exodus. Um, as a person with a medical background, so I had started in nursing, I was helping a lot of organizations work in um, child exploitation, um, orphan crisis, orphan relief, and I was doing work internationally, um, pro bonally, and working contractually with other organizations. There are massive gaps from a medical perspective that we were missing when we were working with exploitation and refugee care, and part of that was aftercare. Um, When we're working in a lot of people will say trafficking, I use the term exploitation. So when you're working in exploitation, there are mass things that are missed, uh, aftercare being the largest, because aftercare is so big and so complex. And so when we talk about the trauma that needs to be associated with the exit of these individuals and these trafficking situations and these exploitation situations and lifestyles, it is incredibly... um, monumental to their actual healing because mm-hmm. we cannot just take these individuals out of a situation and drop them off somewhere we have to provide substantial aftercare resources so exodus was founded in the sense of how do we fill those gaps we weren't doing a very good job before and being an operator myself and working pro bono with these other companies love what we were doing love the organizational work we were doing but we were just missing the mark barely and that barely portion was that, that gap of what happens next? Where do these people go next? And a lot of people didn't know, and there was really no answers. And So myself and quite a few other operators said, hey, I bet we can fix this problem. I bet, I bet we can start to create a, a solution. And so we um, came up with the Exodus model and the concept of implementing in the trafficking communities for long-term periods of time for a year at a minimum, utilizing our skill sets. Um, our operators, our founders, they're not all of these you know, Navy SEAL, Rambo style—you know, weird superhero things gear. that you see in the movies. Yeah, yeah, those type of operators. Um, A lot of them are clinicians, physicians, therapists, uh, mentors, social workers. Um, In fact, in our most recent sting operation, one of our girls goes, no one's going to believe this. I wasn't rushed by a bunch of cops. I was rushed by a bunch of social workers. (laughs) And it was kind of entertaining because that's the concept of exodus is you're coming in this model of healing, holistic healing. And that's what these survivors need is they need healing. Once they're healed, they're able to actually testify, give witness testimony, and prosecute their traffickers as well. So exodus stems from the idea of being in... In the trafficking community providing exit and then an exit strategy and plan for these individuals to actually have true healing which is very long term so they need housing for at a minimum eight to ten months we typically like a year and then after that job skills education ongoing support through many
0: many avenues which is why we have such a large partner base oh thank goodness that that resource is available and for everything you were doing because you don't you don't really think about that you think okay let's get them out of there but what next you exactly. know and they need that long healing um what is human trafficking, and what happens to someone if they are trafficked? Yes, I love this question
1: because I think we have a mass misconcept across the nation of what trafficking is. Uh, human trafficking is a legal term we created for the legal system. It's actually very broken down, exploitation of a vulnerable population. There is vulnerability there. People who exploit those people see that vulnerability, and they exploit it to the mass means by, monetary, by force or coercion. And so that's what we see in human trafficking. Uh, when you think of vulnerable individuals, single mothers... Who are job-to-job, low skill sets, um, possibly these teenage moms, foster care children, are, are low socioeconomic areas, minority individuals, uh, individuals who maybe have substance abuse prior to their trafficking experiences, um, individuals who have low self-esteem, maybe they've been have uh, they have generational trauma in their family by abuse prior to, uh, predators prey on the low self-esteem model. Uh, which looks like, and I and I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, how they come across in the grooming portion of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we love low self-esteem if we're a predator. That allows us to groom and mold you into what we want to mold you into. And me, you are very easily, um, you're easily able to sell that person when they're molded into what you want them to be, and that's called grooming. And so that's where are these victims and these... like to call survivors come from and that's typically where a trafficker loves to pray and so we talk about trafficking it's exploitation of a vulnerable population
0: okay okay now how did you get started in the anti-human trafficking efforts and you spoke with that a little bit but let's dive into that a little more
1: yes um actually personal story and I love to share the personal side I think people come to me all the time for stats and statistics and want the hard proof but I do have this very personal connection and I was helping from a medical perspective a team, and I actually was writing for an organization. I um, I love writing. If you follow me, you see oftentimes I write about my experiences in the trafficking world. And I was writing to be compelling for her. She needed more medical individuals to help. She wasn't finding anyone to help on a particular case. And I was like, oh, hey, I have a substantial nursing background. I'd be happy to help. And so I went, and I experienced what I, I, I didn't know what trafficking was. This was years ago. I didn't really understand it. And I didn't know that these individuals could still have families because I thought, what well, Hollywood shows you, you know, they're, they're taken or it's there's no one around or everyone was murdered in some crazy, you know, takedown by a cartel. Right. And uh, which is really what I thought. And so I came and I had a young girl who was 14 at the time and she had been sold when she was a baby. So her backstory was mom was 19 in an Eastern European country making a dollar, two dollars an hour. And she was unwed. And she came to a hospital because the baby had visual impairments. This hospital was a trafficking hospital. This is very common in Eastern Europe and other places around the world. And what these physicians will do, will tell mom, hey, you can't take care of this baby. We will. Typically they either pay mom or they'll just say, mom, you can keep watching and we'll send stories. So they send. Fake pictures and fake
0: stories. She about thinks these this is a great thing.
1: Absolutely, she thinks someone's going to take care of her baby because she can't. Mm-hmm. She makes a dollar, you know, an hour, if that, at best. She can't take care of this baby, and she loves her child. So yes, she's trusting this hospital to take care of this baby. So she gave baby to hospital. Hospital then sold it to the traffickers they partner with, and she happened to find baby on an online ad years later. She realized it was her daughter, um, and and when I say baby it was a toddler at the time, so she easily could see it was her daughter on these ads went looking for her, and that's when we actually picked up those ads, the particular team I was with, and I was brought on as medical support. We were actually leaving that area, and as we were leaving, uh, an older woman came with a toy in hand and, and gave it to her. I had no idea what, what this situation looked like. Again, I was very much nuanced as a baby in the field, and um, she said, this was my granddaughter. She said her mom was murdered trying to find her. She said take her far, far away, and from that moment I knew... And I always get emotional telling this story because sure. for me, it's one of those moments very pivotal in my life where I say, I get to meet her mom one day. And I get to tell her I saw her daughter, like I would want my own children to be seen. so I knew, I will do this work the rest of my life because there are plenty of other children and people who are dying to be seen. And someone fought for them at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And or maybe no one did. And they deserve someone too. They deserve to be seen. They need to be seen. And so for me, Exodus is very personal because um, I saw. Once you see, you can't unsee. And so along with other people who were in the work with me, in the trenches with me at the time, and who have come along since, um, we have seen those things, and we can't unsee them. And so we want to show the rest of the world what those true things are and how they can't
0: unsee them and what they can do about them. Candice, that's so powerful. Wow. Yeah, I see. I see. I, I knew you were passionate about this, but you know, you get the backstory and you really you really see why. Um, let's talk about the you know, you think of somebody being sold. What does the transaction and price tag look like? And I and I feel so horrible just even asking that, even saying that out loud. It's it's awful, but this happens. It does. And it's
1: it's interesting because I I think without a price tag it's not real. I think it's right. this very like, oh yeah, people get sold every day, there's this exchange, something happens. Um there is a price tag. In fact, in Utah, we're in Utah, and uh, the price tag transactionally at different levels equates to $40, 80 and $100, depending upon the level of sexual transaction that's being provided by the girl, and based off of the circumstantial fantasy. So for instance, we have a girl who just recently testified in a grand jury case, and the fantasy was a kidnap and rape fantasy. So she was tied up to a pole repeatedly during the days, so that the individuals who booked her through her trafficker could come along, and every hour or so they would come and give a kidnap style, style fantasy and pay extra for that and that young lady endured that for 18 months and that to me um, showcases the horrors of this world but also on the demand side that there are people who are booking rape fantasies and kidnap fantasies like that
0: I have to take a breath that's um that's a lot um wow and um are do you see this in Utah let's talk about Utah specifically
1: Absolutely um I'm a crier. I'll cry with
0: you. Okay, good. I cry this with is our girls yeah. It's that's a it's a, it's a tough it's it a is. tough subject. Yeah.
1: And I'll tell you, there's not a lot of space for this. It's hard to talk about, and so these girls will come in my home. So I sit and cry with them. My heart is so I'm a, I'm a bleeding heart with them, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about it. Is because I cry when I tell our donors. I cry when I tell our volunteers. Our volunteers come along. I'm like. This is going to be hard. You want to come and, and help with this, um, and I cry with these girls. So I cry right along with you because they are hard you. stories to tell. Um, and yes, that story is from Utah. Um, it is incredibly prevalent in Utah. In fact, Utah is forty-six in the nation for our trafficking problem, which means there are only four other states that are worse than us. Um, and that's
0: forty-six. Forty-six,
1: and that should make anyone who lives in Utah incredibly uncomfortable. Um, recently, it is Crime Victims Week and Crime uh, Victims Rights Week here in Utah. And one of the things we talked about on social media was that of sex crimes that are reported, which include trafficking crimes, um, only 11% of the crimes in Utah are actually reported, and of that, only 6% are prosecuted, um, which should make everyone incredibly uncomfortable because that means 92% of these predators were walking around Utah Mm -hmm. without any repercussion. Uh, trafficking is incredibly prevalent here because we don't have repercussion. Um, nationwide, the average sentencing and penalty for trafficking is five to seven years. That's it? Uh, that's it, for a lifetime of trauma. Um, the average girl is violated 16 times a day. So think of violation 16 times a day, what that looks like over the course of a week or six months, six years. And six years, I mean, these girls can be trafficked for years, decades at a time. Um, and their perpetrator
0: is only getting five to seven years. Wow. Wow. Um, are there signs, like if we're out and about in the public, are there signs and things that we as human beings can look for to help? And what do we do at that point?
1: Yes. Um, I love the see something, say something campaign. A lot of individuals have been helped through. If you see something, say something. I feel like this is a great question because it's actually changing a lot. Um, the perception of what a trafficked individual is, is really important. We used to think it was just a small child tied up in a basement somewhere. And, and how, do you, how do you recognize that? How do you see that? But really trafficking is a vast array of different uh, modes and styles that includes labor trafficking, indentured servitude, obviously our sex acts, and then we also have organ trafficking. Labor trafficking is one where um, individuals, and this happens quite a bit, especially right now. I was just with John Walsh and we were talking about what's happening across our border. There's a lot of labor trafficking happening where uh, individuals are brought with hopes and dreams of possibly sending money home, getting a green card. Um, This is a very real problem. It is not political. It is a human problem. And they are forced to work in either uh, meat factories, laundry shops, restaurants. Sometimes they're your waiters. Their passports are held. Sometimes it's massage parlors. Passports are held, IDs are held, and they're forced to work. They're typically paid just enough to live, but not enough to get out of those circumstances. It falls along that lines of indentured servitude and labor trafficking. Many, con- uh, many companies have been uh, accused of that and I think that our government is tracking uh, you know hyping down on that recently with labor trafficking and hopefully uh, creating a dent in that. When we only look at child sex trafficking, we miss a lot of that. That's 90% of our human trafficking is labor, um, labor and other styles of indentured servitude. Um, but real clear signs, easy to, easy to spot on individuals when they're not speaking for themselves. Uh, Girls who appear to be groomed in the sense of there's someone leading them around. It can be a male or a female. Um, They are never out in public, very isolated no idea where their money is coming from. We have a particular girl right now that we are working with and everything is provided for by her trafficker. She's terrified to to leave them because they provide her apartment. She has a small child. They provide all of her transportation. They even were the ones providing for her food and her medical care and picking up her prescriptions. That isolation of providing everything for them makes it terrifying to leave an exploitation situation.
0: Okay. So if you're, you know, you may not be seeing them because they're kept at home and they're kept kind of away from the public. And if you are seeing them in public, they're not speaking for themselves, probably following someone. Okay. So those are, those are good things to, to look out for. If, if we send something, if we feel something's off that we need to maybe call someone, what would we do at that point to try to help?
1: Yes, there is a little bit of contradiction right now. Um, And so just to address that, a lot of people want to call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Um, that was a run through Polaris, it is run through Polaris, and is sponsored by DHS. So Homeland Security does all of the tip lining. It does come through the FBI into um, Homeland Security. You can also contact any nonprofit in the coalition. So any anti-trafficking nonprofit can be contacted through social media or through their website. You can contact us, uh, joinexodus.org. You can do that through social media, and they are connected to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. That national human trafficking hotline will then connect to any tip line. So they are trying to create a national coalition so that you can do the "See Something, Say Something" campaign, and it all joins. It's currently right in the middle of being of being uh, manipulated to what that coalition looks like, um, and so there's a little bit of um, buffering into who's going to be handling those calls. That tip line is coming into Homeland Security and
0: DHS through Polaris. Okay, it almost makes me want to just have that ready right in my phone. You know, to I think we all should. Right, if we see something that we're nervous about just to be able to to help have that ready to be able to call or look up website um a lot of this you think of like strangers doing this to somebody that's not necessarily true
1: no it is not I mean, a majority of the girls who are being trafficked are trafficked by someone they know and in fact, it's typically a person of authority like a spouse or possibly an adult family member. So our younger our younger individuals in the uh, high teenage range could be an uncle, an aunt, a parent. Um, and then we have many women who were married to their traffickers and or were in a long-term relationship. And so the, the chances of being picked up by a, tra- a stranger actually are outweighed by these individuals by someone they know. Our younger generations are typically creating relationships online. Through mobile apps and through apps that they use with all of their friends, we see our college age uh, demographic are meeting people online through dating apps and through other social media style apps and platforms. So they create these online relationships with them. It's someone they quote unquote know, meet that person, and unfortunately are groomed into a trafficking situation.
0: Wow, you I just would never think that it's you know somebody like within your family or somebody that you know. Um, what what should we look out for? as individuals and talk about the grooming process and, and, and you know signs for ourselves. Yeah, I love this. I love this discussion because many
1: women, especially now, are finding themselves in relationships that can be going that direction of abuse um, that comes through grooming styles. Uh, grooming starts out as uh, there's a couple of different uh, different types of groomers one of my favorite is we like to call them the Romeo pimp and that's what's well known in law enforcement as well and it's my favorite to talk about because it's the most the, the one we see the most often it's most common and that is that, that man that becomes your boyfriend and he just is that he, maybe, you, maybe you were the ugly duckling in school or sometimes you have low self-esteem. You're just not as pretty as your best friend. And that's what you think about yourself. And lo and behold, this Romeo pimp comes along. And he just thinks you are the dazzling diamond. You are beautiful. And he tells you everything you want to hear. You are amazing. You are smart. You are brilliant. One thing leads to another. And he says, Let me, I bought you this. And I bought you this. And, and he is loving to you. He is very much loving to you. He Romeo and romanticizes your relationship until he starts asking for things. He says, but I love you. I'm short on our phone bill. Our friend said, if you will do this particular sexual act, he'll give us $20 so I can pay for my cell phone bill. And then that comes into the next portion, and then the next portion. And before you know it, this is the cycle of how now your boyfriend is selling you to friend after friend after friend um, to pay for whatever is needed, that monetary exchange. And he's now groomed you. And it's incredibly hard to leave him because you love him. He has given you worth when no one else was giving you worth. And so what I love to tell our young women, what I love to tell seeing a woman, because I'm also a single woman, is to know your worth well beyond someone who comes along and tells you what that is. Um, our Romeo pimps are so common, and many of our young ladies will say, but he loved me, but he told me it was for my best interest. And, and that is one of our largest styles of grooming in the United States right now, is through that relationship of finding value and
0: worth in someone, and then manipulating that and monetizing that. How do we protect our kids, Candace? Because I know that's Oof. probably what a lot of people are thinking right now, protecting our, our babies.
1: Uh, be in open conversations. Do not dance around the words. Ask them about things. They know way more than you do. We have multiple laws for our teenagers for a reason, one being revenge porn. Revenge porn laws come into play because teenagers are dumb sending um, explicit images of themselves, another teenager was mad, put a different photo on that, and then spread it around the school site, and it was considered revenge porn. There is a law created against that because it was happening. Um, Our youngest age of sext material, sexting, whether a sound, an image, a video, um, any type of pornographic imagery across a sext or mobile app is 12. So when we talk about protecting our children, it is to know there are these laws and things in place because it is happening. You know, much more aren't exposed to much more than what you think they are. And you need to have open conversations with them. Be on their apps. Know who their friends are. More than ever right now in this world of online everything, you have got to be involved in their lives. They don't get that cell phone. They don't get that gaming Device without you knowing the passwords, without you being involved. Do not let them download certain apps. Um, You can go on our website. We very very shortly will be unveiling uh, a program we did with some former ICAC individuals about apps and how to get them off and how to provide parental tools on them. Um, There are so many. Kids know how to do double um, sign-ins so that you think they have one Instagram and really there's another one. Um, And so how do you find those? How do you get them to stop talking to friends um, and speak about the realities to that with them so they can
0: be safe online? I found this interesting too. Um, Trafficking is, it follows sporting events, right? And so like NBA All-Star Weekend that we had here a little bit ago in Utah, that was a big event for you.
1: It was a big event. Um, Sporting events are large areas where people with money and lots of people come in and it's an economy for a trafficker. And trafficking is an economy, it's a way to make money. All of our vendors want to come in for a sporting event, all of our traffickers want to come in for a sporting event. So this is the first time that uh, Home On Security made a private sector coalition and made um, a partnership, and we were the ones that they did that with in private sector. Um, Very excited for that partnership because it is ongoing. We are now collaborating on an ongoing task force for multi-sporting events nationwide. It was the most successful sting operation we've had in a sporting event before nationwide. Um, And it went on two days during All-Star Weekend. Uh, We saw true blue trafficking, which means girls were flown in, and they had followed multiple sporting events throughout the nation which allowed us to have ongoing investigations across state lines right now, so multi-state investigations are continuing. And then we had regular trafficking that was just ongoing in Utah, that even if it wasn't a sporting event, we still would have probably seen these girls. And so we had two demographics of trafficked individuals, the wonderful thing about this private sector partnership with homeland security and law enforcement at the federal and local level is that we can continue to take care of these girls, so they have an aftercare situation, which allows for better prosecution, for better witness testimony, credible witnesses,
0: and for the care of the victim themselves. Now, if you, I, I know you have a lot of people on your team, but I'm sure that you can always use more resources, items. I know that girls, women need what. What can we do at home? if we're thinking we want to be a part of making a difference and actually helping and being, you know, involved? Gosh, nothing is too small.
1: We we encounter girls... All week long, every week I get a new girl and, and coming into our safe house and needing something. We need everything from canned goods to uh, our girls need yoga pants. We give out hygiene kits every single week in our outreach teams. Yoga pants, sports bras, hygiene items, makeup, clothes, those are the tangible items. Our safe house needs furnishings. We are continuing to build another safe house. Um, donor funds are needed to finish that safe house for these girls. What happens when we have sting operations and pull all these girls out and they're successful? They need a place to sleep. So we have to have a safe house for them. Everything from bedding to um, having breakfast in the morning, uh, therapy. Anyone who's a therapist, modalities from equine therapy to yoga to sound bathing. We do have support groups for survivors every week, and we love survivor activities. We love companies that come along and provide activities for our survivors to go and do and be a person without all of the baggage for the day and experiences. Experienced life. They've experienced Disney on Ice. They've done racing at a racetrack. They've done equine. They've done. Pottery. Um, so many great companies have come along and provided Survivor Days. It's been so wonderful. And of course, we always need donors and great individuals who want to bring awareness to us um, and help with marketing campaigns to creating fun runs. There is there is a space for you anywhere in this problem.
0: There are so many ways yeah. that we can help. And what if we as individuals want to be part of of your team or a volunteer, you know, can we do that too? You absolutely can. We have opportunities for mentorships. We
1: love having chaperones and mentors for all of our girls. Every girl is assigned a mentor. So if you are a strong female and want to be a part of that, that is a wonderful volunteer space. I know you and I have talked about that mm-hmm. and coming in alongside um, mentoring our girls. For instance, we have a girl who's going to court today and she just needs someone to sit by her and hold her hand while she goes um, and testifies against her perpetrator. Um, and then also Volunteer opportunities from everywhere across the board are available. You can go on our website, send in an email, and we will tell you what's available. We don't even post them because there are so many opportunities because we want to know what you would like to do.
0: And, Candace, you see the girls. And, by the way, does this happen to men
1: and women, boys and girls? It does. It does. We more often see women than we see men. We do occasionally get men. We just have a heavy load of girls right now, so I often will see girls.
0: Okay, okay. Now you see these victims kind of before and after and through the process. How are you seeing their lives changed, other than just being out of their out of their situation?
1: I just recently, so we partner with several other organizations as well. I believe I'm very much collaborating with Wide Nets versus One Deep Hole, and a, a great uh, picture of this is we had one girl who came out of a trafficking situation where both her and her daughter were trafficked violently by her husband, by a father. And um, now we're two years past. Um, Both of them have gotten scholarships for school. um, And so they are actually going to school. Um, They both are in their own safe housing situations. Um, they just recently were given their scholarships by a partner uh, organization and found out this week um, they both now can one of the mother is raising three other small children the other young lady will be going to school and starting her career in um, being an esthetician Um, but the one thing both of them said is we actually get to live our own life and we feel finally free and um to have an individual tell you that they finally feel like they can live their own life and they've never had that option before until you saw them. is quite
0: powerful. Yeah. You are uh, a true superhero in our community and beyond Candace. Uh, Thank you for speaking so openly with us. And I, if you're listening to this and you want to be a part of, of helping, there are so many ways to do that. And this just spoke to me, and I know you and I will eventually figure out what that looks like for me and in, in, in being part of helping these victims. But if if we are sitting at home right now thinking, I have items to donate, my time, I want to be there for somebody, what's, what's the best place to go? You can reach out to us on social media at Join
1: Exodus on our Instagram page or Facebook, um, and then also just our website, joinexodus.org. Uh, we have an informational email that you can get there. Um, This is also one of the lines that our victims and survivors also contact and those who suspect of trafficking as well. So we have people that are monitoring those emails constantly. So whether you're on the end of, I feel like I may have someone that's in a difficult situation to, I have something I'd like to donate, um, email that same email and someone is monitoring that daily.
0: Okay. Will you tell us one more time what that is?
1: Absolutely. Joinexodus.org and there is an
0: informational link email and you just click on that link and it'll open up right to an email for you. Okay. Amazing. You're a phenomenal human being. Thank you for all that you are doing to help these victims and we hope to have you back. Thank you for being on the podcast today, Candice. It was really great to talk with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me and having hard conversations. I yeah. really appreciate it. Very this important is what changes the world.
0: Yeah, very important to do. And thank you at home for listening to another episode of Fresh Off the Set. Please rate, review and subscribe and we will see you next week.